going on? Can you hear me? I got nothing in my headphones, man. I'll fix that. All right. <laughs> well, thanks. Uh, this is Shock Monkey Radio. I'm the Madman. I'm sitting next to the Hill Hippie. Are we on? Yeah, we're on. All right. Are we, yeah, we got the headphones now. Thank you. Thank you. I need some volume. So I can hear me. Shock Monkey Radio, we are professionals, as you can see, because <laughs> we got t-shirts now. Flying the colors, man. We got t-shirts now. And uh, I, I know I mentioned last week I was worried that they wouldn't come out good, and I think they came out pretty good. I so. think so. But, but then again, I'm biased. Yeah. <laughs> me too. Okay. We usually we do the intro. We do the greetings. We did that. Hi, y'all. Hello. And we usually start with our weekends. How was your weekend, man? Uh, relaxing. What'd you do? Uh, Saturday just took some me time. Just being out in the sun and working just, just takes it out of me so much to hear lately with this humidity. Just, oh, yeah. I don't want to be around anyone to do anything. And Sunday it was more of the same, but I ended up going around and <clears throat> doing some shopping. Yeah. Consumerism. Excellent. Yes. <laughs> Feeding the... Uh, Your weekend sounds boring. Man. Oh, it was... Yeah, it was raining most of Sunday when I was actually feeling like going out so I couldn't go do anything fun. Yeah. Sunday kind of sucked. Yeah, well, I've been busy. Super busy on YouTube. Over the last three weeks, I put out like uh, like, like an average of three videos a week. I noticed most of them being Fortnite videos. Well, because it's so easy to edit those. <laughs> it's so easy to edit those in comparison. And so, um, but I've been trying to, you know, keep stuff going. So look for me on YouTube. I'm the Madman Lowercase. Or if you you can't find it that way for some other reason, uh, search for FXBG Public Radio, and it should find send you to one of my videos, and you can look at my YouTube channel, and you're like, oh, the Madman Lowercase. Now I get it. Lowercase is the last name. Yeah, and then you could subscribe. It's a surname. Share it. Please do. Uh, yeah, Shock Monkey Radio here on fxbgpublicradio.com and wherever podcasts can be downloaded. Yes. That's pretty awesome. We're RSS, worldwide, y'all. RSS feeds, you know, just one central point and boom, everyone mm-hmm. can access it. It's great. It's great. Remember back in the old days? Come around, you whippersnapper. Let me tell you about the days. Gather around the podcast on one of y'all's iPhone. <laughs> Gather around. Let me tell you the story of stereos. And how long it took me to find this until I could play it for you. <laughs> remember stereos? I remember back in the day, it was like it was such a big deal. It was like every dude, if you were a dude, a dude had to have a stereo. And the bigger your speakers, yeah. it was like a statement of your manhood. Exactly. Now listen to you. Look at you. Look at yourselves listening to our podcast. Just got your got your headphones in. Your you're at earbuds. the gym. You're working. Whatever. And it was a big deal, you know, wiring up your stereo. Mm-hmm. You had to buy all the pieces. You had to have a turntable. You had to have dual dual cassette deck. A little later, it was introduced to CD receivers, yep. and so. Uh, and then the wattage of your speakers yeah, also the wattage counted. Of the speakers, you got was, re- yeah, the receiver. You could have some big old tall speakers, but if they were only 15 waters, man, it was like not having any pubes on your nuts. Exactly. It was like, well, here's the problem. And guys <laughs> would talk about that. Well, here's the problem. It's only 15 watts. You know, mm-hmm. you know, if you're a real speaker guy, real stereo guy, you'd know that. But I'm a real speaker guy, All real right. stereo guy. I'm an audiophile, so I know what you actually need. And with the system here, your rack. Dude, and it wasn't talking about chicks for a change. Yeah. With this rack here, you just you're going to have to put a pr- uh, another amplifier in here once we get you the bigger speakers that you're going to want. I could come over on Saturday help you wire it all up. You know, <laughs> these conversations no longer exist. No. I mean, yeah, there's. I know there's retro people out there who like having uh, a vintage working right, but record on, player and stuff on like the that. average. Yeah, but most people, you know, they're just sitting here. And it's like, you know, we're not, we're not ever going to be pressed into wax. No. Our, our podcast would never be pressed into wax like a Cheech and Chong album or a Father Guido Sarducci album. Unless we decided to do it ourselves. Because <laughs> I remember back in the day, you wanted to listen to humor on your stereo. You had to get like a, a record like mm-hmm. Father Guido Sarducci. <laughs> that dude is hilarious. And that's all you had. Yeah. You know, you couldn't search through millions of podcasts. You know, you, and you, got, you bought this one humor 
record. And that's what you listen to. You know, it's like, I want to listen to that again. Get a good laugh again. <laughs> or that's, if you wanted to just to see a tape of just the s- different songs that you liked that were playing on the radio, oh, you yeah. had to sit there waiting for the song, that song to kick on, then hit, psh, hit, record. hit record, and then stop. And if you grew up like I did in places that didn't have many musical options, we had a a pop music station right. and everything else was country. country yeah. And I was a metal guy right. back in those days. You know, so I actually had to climb out my window running this long extension uh, antenna, yeah, antenna cable yeah. and get it up to the gutters and attach it to the gutters in the house just to pick the up this radio FM, station yeah. from uh, uh, Charleston, North uh, Charleston, West Virginia. <laughs> just enough to where it didn't sound like complete ass just so I could get, oh, hey, new rock music that I didn't have to go to the Record you know, the record store, store and spend begin. hours listening to samples of different things. Right. <laughs> yeah, I did that too. I recorded FM radio. That was fun. And uh, yeah, you'd make your mixtapes. You know, you did that. That took a while. I mean, people don't understand. We we would sit there. You'd have mm-hmm. you pull a chair next to your stereo with your headphones on. Yep. Listening to the FM radio, just waiting, just waiting to hit record. Yep. Because they're they've been playing this one song once every hour. I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get fucking Falco's Rock Me Amadeus. <laughs> and then mom would call you, and you have to leave the room, and you come back in, put your headphones back on, you it's halfway, halfway through the, the song. song. You gotta wait another hour. And that's what we're, that's what it was like for the audio files. Oh yeah, back before the internet and podcasts and stuff like that. And now all this all this stuff, we'd spend hundreds of dollars on these expensive equipment just so you could, you know, I, I put a new new needle in every single time I put a record in. Right. You know. <laughs> it's, you know, I also feel bad for youngsters and hell, even myself nowadays. Was going to the record store was an adventure. As you'd go in there and you'd listen to something just to see if it was something you well, like, and people would hang out in the record stores and talk about music, and you could meet other people, people who were into the same music as you. Yeah, and you they all have meet, suggestions. You Why don't you meet, listen to this? Uh, women there, or if you're a woman, you can meet guys there, and it was a good place to find dates. I mean, it's not like uh, you know you're going there that specifically, but because you couldn't a, sit there in your bedroom and browse every single type of music on earth like or, you can today or like me i found this one band i really like called nako and medicine for the people just because pandora suggested it to me out of the blue nothing like it on any of my pandora stations and i said here try this like, okay <laughs> yeah i like it okay. i said i don't know where this came from but this is fucking amazing i want to hang out with pandora in a record shop just flipping through albums yeah right <laughs> what, do you, what do you think of queensryche pandora <laughs> if you like queensryche <laughs> Please check out Tool. Man, now it all just fits right in your the palm of your hand. It's sitting in your pocket right now. Mm-hmm. When was the last time you've been in a house with some guy, like, let me give you the tour, and, like, starts the stereo? Right. When, when was the last time that happened? I can't even think of the last if time. If you go to somebody's house and visit, they're like, uh, and over there's a stereo, and it's, like, got a bunch of stuff stacked on top of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, a bunch of computer equipment. <laughs> Old hard drives sitting EK? on top of their and dust. <laughs> you have a stereo, EK? man that's you know just because of that is one of the reasons why entertainment centers have shrunk uh, significantly in size when you used to have to have these ginormous pieces of furniture for your for your rack system and your speakers and your television and they were the focal point of living rooms or dens or whatever room they happen to be in just because of how large they had to be because of the large stereos, the large CRT TVs. Now it's it's just hidden. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking at a... Uh, Those old cathode ray tubes, they built them like like an extra dresser. Yeah. Or something like that. Just cabinets on the side because it's so huge. It's mm-hmm. like, we got to make this into furniture. It's yeah. the only way it works. Now you can just mount it on your wall. Four <laughs> bolts and you're done. Uh, but I mean, I think... And, you know, people t- like cared for their media a lot better back in those days when it comes to, I mean, you remember the days like where CDs were fucking everywhere. There's, you know, there's so many CDs mm-hmm. and you run across somebody, you know, Hey, put in this CD and it's like, it's all fucking scratched up and you just throw it out the window. Yeah. You know, but back in those days, like with vinyl in, in particular, people would like take loving care. Oh yeah. You know, of these records they pull it carefully out of the sleeves. They got little dust wipers, like all right, I'll make, make sure that's a good needle. That's a good needle. Okay. I mean, there was an art to it. There was like almost a, a religious ritual 
to caring for the music. And so it made you respect the music that much more. Mm -hmm. Now you could just download anything. Boop, 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 99 cents, 99 cents. Boop, boop, yep. Track, track, track. And, you know, it, and that's, that's why music's crap nowadays. Because a band that says, if we're going to press this into wax, somebody's got to pay for it. Yeah. All right, first of all. Somebody's got to distrib distribute it. Mm -hmm. So forth. If we're going to do something well... You know, let's. I mean, if we're going to do something, let's do it right. Mm -hmm. You know, and make sure you, we put our hearts and souls into back it. Back then, yeah, it was hard to find a shitty album. Let's be honest; they well. did exist. They did <laughs> exist, but there were a lot fewer shitty albums than there are today. Uh, okay. Nowadays, because nowadays it's about tracks. You know, when people went to the record store, yeah, you can get singles, but why waste your money on that? Right, and most most of the albums back then did have like, let's say it was a, a ten track disc. Or a ten track cassette. Most of them were uh, good songs, to decent songs, with a couple of just oh my gods. And then there was that one or two crapper on there. Oh yeah, and it's usually like the la last two songs of the album. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, I mean, the order of songs was important. Mm -hmm. And that's how mixtapes got born. It's like I like this, but if you mixed it with an album with the other songs. And, and I almost <laughs> blame the invention, or not even so much even the invention, but the. When the CD-ROM drives became highly available, that's when it all started. People burning mixed CDs and well, stuff. Not just the mixed CDs, but, you know, for as far as people not respecting the music as much, because they would buy the, like, well, I'm just going to reference myself here. I would buy, let's say, a Dream Theater album. I didn't want that Dream Theater album to get damaged because that was my copy of it. Right, I'd put right. it in, I'd put it to my hard drive, burn it onto another disc for carrying around. Exactly. And so you stop paying as much attention to that one. Now, my originals, my quote-unquote masters you know they were yeah. they were well taken care of i've still got all of those discs sitting and they're sitting not all around. scratched up no right? not at yeah. all they still sound crystal clear no skips but <laughs> with that type of availability where you can just throw something in and got it and you don't have to give two shits about it and i mean music is so different now in, in comparison to the way it was back then i mean you got auto-tune you got synthesizers <laughs> queen for like five albums that they, they had no synthesizers exclamation point in their liner notes they were proud of that shit and the reason why is because they thought synthesizers were cheating when it comes to playing musical instruments and mm -hmm. it wasn't until like 1980 we'll, we'll talk about queen later uh, all right, um it wasn't until 1980 they started using synthesizers but they did it well it's anyway. now later yeah uh, uh you know we just don't care for the the media like we used to and so i mean it's all because it's all just ones and zeros on your phone yeah you know and I think that's why there's those collectors who love collecting their records and caring for them. And they believe it gives you a pure sound. But I think that, you know, that's probably in their head. It might be. And I understand it's about the ritual. You know, records do sound good. If, you know, if you take care of your record player. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the thing about record players is you got to take care of them. Oh, yeah. And so I think that's, that's why people treat that media that way so ritualistically but you're listening to this on your phone and you're just like i can't believe people is like they would take you know they'd make sure because like air conditioning wasn't everywhere and you didn't want to leave your wet records out in the like the storage shed mm -hmm. or something over the summer and then next you come out and it's like it's just yeah done it, it's all your records gone or i remember my friend matt growing Even tapes up, he left a cassette on the dashboard of the car <laughs> oh yeah oh, in the yeah. hot summer sun that thing just became a pool yeah <laughs> with some magnetic tape in the middle of it i mean some of you millennials out there might have a cd crammed in the bottom of your car or something like that i mean you don't know what it was like to drive around with a big big box of eight tracks because i remember <laughs> you'd get in people's cars and they would have an eight track player in their car and then the passenger seat would be a big box full of eight tracks mm -hmm. and the thing about eight tracks is they played one direction yep <laughs> one direction only <laughs> i bet you didn't know about that did you kids <sighs> it's so different back then the more you don't care about <laughs> it was just people don't know it's like one day these things no one will remember them no they'll look at photos it's like People like really? They spent all that time with wax, with vinyl, <laughs> Neanderthals. But we loved it. I mean, that's what we had, and yeah. we loved it. So I feel a little. I felt a little retro. It was like, when was the last time you saw a fucking stereo, or somebody pointed it out? 
so it like back in the day people would like take care of this they're dusted every day now when you see a stereo it's like covered in dust covered with computer shit and stuff like that but i will admit i do like the convenience of having all that media right there where i can go hey you can't deny it yeah. hey boo boo play this song by this artist and that one's done it's like all right play this song by this artist mm -hmm. and it's all just right there i don't even have to get off my lazy ass exactly i mean sometimes that's nice especially if you're sitting around naked scratching your balls you don't want to get up but if you and your friends have a little retro time and you're just like i'm gonna bring my records over to your house and you got your vintage thing that you take care of okay you're a collector i get it i mean that's why i started collecting vinyl was because it's very much like comic books. You got to keep them in the same similar temperature <laughs> conditions, or else you know you're screwed. And leaving your comic books in storage over, oh, mm. no air conditioning over a summer. Oh my god, it makes me want to cry just thinking about that. You need a tissue? No, because there's say so don't wipe your eyes on your new shirt. There's man. bigger heartbreaks when it comes to comic books that will definitely make me cry. I'll tell you about it off air. All right. Okay, so I got a I got a segment here for. Uh, EKJK's or Hill Hippie's Garden? You want to do Hill Hippie's Garden? Or EK? You want to? Nah. Yeah. I don't know. He's playing Fortnite or something. I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> He's being productive, not like us jack-offs. Yeah. Uh, what do you got, man? Let's talk about tipping. Okay, yeah. Let's talk about tipping. tipping. What's your opinion on it? Uh, I've done a little bit of research into it, and... It is a horrible fucking practice. Uh, yeah, I've seen some videos, read some articles about how it is a horrible practice. You know Tell where, me why you think it is a horrible practice. Well, you know, most of the world has gone away, gotten away from tipping. But here in the United States, you know how tipping originally started? Mm, tell me. It's because it was something they remembered to doing in Europe, specifically, I believe, the UK, to, uh, in, to ensure pertinence. Or, yeah, I think that's the word that they... It's been so long since I've read the video, uh, saw the video, but it was in order to, you know, they'd throw a couple of coins into a jar, a couple of pence into yeah. a jar in order to get faster service if they were at the pub or something like I that, see. you know, just to catch their attention. But over here, it started in the railway company, uh, railway countries, uh, companies. Good God, been doing that all day. And uh, they would hire newly freed slaves to work the rail cars and the railways and to be servers and uh, stuff like that. And they would pay him zero for a wage. And they were told they were only allowed to keep, uh, the only money they were, would make is if someone tipped them and they were allowed to keep that. Uh, a lot of things all of a sudden make sense to me. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, that just told that just put tipping in a whole new perspective for me. Yeah. I mean, you know, take back the fact that in most states, if you make just – if someone pays you just $30 for an entire month, you get $30 in tips, then in those states, your uh, your employer can legally reduce your wages right. to the minimum uh, tipping wage for that state for the entire month, worked or not worked. Let's say you're an electrician. You're making uh, $20 an hour, and I'm sure they probably make more than that. Yeah. But – and at the third, uh, you're three weeks into the month. Somebody who's just nice, you've come to their house, you've set up their lighting just perfectly, and they give you a forty dollar tip just because they liked what you did. Your company finds out about it, they can reduce your pay for the previous hours that you've worked in that month down to, uh, I think it's two dollars and thirteen cents an hour or some shit like that. Yeah, legally. Yeah, I know. That's fucking ridiculous. Well, I mean, anyone who's worked in like uh, food service. No, oh. that that's the case. Is that they they the company pays you nothing. That's why mm -hmm. that's why restaurants love tips because they're making the clientele pay their employees, right? And the company's not paying their employees exactly. And so I think that that's that's what's wrong with tipping, and that's what's wrong with so many uh, wages because available jobs are those kind of food service. Mm -hmm. That's kind of like the I don't know ground floor of retail in many ways, right? You know? And, you know, this uh, video that I watched brought up some interesting, interesting points. With When you go into a restaurant, let's say it's a higher class restaurant, not like a McDonald's or some shit. Right, right. You go in there and you get this fantastic meal. 
Who do you think should be the person in that restaurant that's paid the most? The chef. They're not. I know. Because of tipping. I know. I saw the statistics from uh, a restaurant in Seattle where the head chef was making $18.18 an hour. Yeah. The line cooks were making $12.12 an hour. After tipping, the servers were making $28.20 an hour. Yeah. I've known people who were cooks, and they eventually said, screw this. And it's like, I'm going to be a bartender. I'm going to go be a a server. I mean, it's fucking stupid. The people who got the most training, the most education— and let's put it, have most to do with the reputation of, of that. The, the product that yeah. they're putting out, yeah. You know, I can go into a place and get shitty service, but if they make some fantastic food, I, I can get Does past a server, the, the server shit. deserve that, no. that tip? Yeah. No, I can look past the shitty service if I'm making getting that good of food. Well, we automatically put in the tip, and that's going to the front, uh, the front line staff. Fuck that shit. I think the Japanese got it right, man. How's that? In Japan, tipping is an insult. Oh. Yeah, if you want your little uh, Japanese waitress who's dressed up like a a maid who's bringing out your bowl of uh, handcrafted just artisan ramen to spit in your food, tip her. Because they considered it charity that you believe that they are doing so poorly in their restaurant with their food and their uh, the quality of their food and the quality of their service that you think they need your help in order to keep their doors open. Because they, to them, doing good service, providing good food is, it, is a honor. Way of, way of life. Right. Yeah. And so therefore, for you to tip them, it's <clears throat> no bad yeah. hot pooey, right? In your I'm, soupy. I'm, I'm always like this. That's why I don't want to ever go to Asia, man. It's they're, they're so serious. <laughs> they just oh, why so serious? <laughs> oh man, tipping man. Well, I mean, I know it's like different all over Europe too. It's like they a lot of Europe doesn't tip. Most of it yeah. doesn't. And uh, it's pretty much I, just here. And I think that it, like for example, uh, getting companies like restaurants. And stuff like that. Start paying people minimum wage. That that'd be a tough fight in America because all these companies make so much profit because of that. Oh, there's there's it's never going to happen because it would yeah. take every person in America to stop tipping all at once. And let's face it, servers themselves already know who to give the better service to because they've done studies. And I've got a friend back in Illinois who's a server and has been his entire life, and they know that <clears throat> couples tip more than a, like, just a man and a woman together will uh, usually have higher tips than a group of three or four. Uh-huh. And that businessmen tip more than, like, just a single female. Right. So, so on and so forth. So they adjust their service accordingly. Some of them do. I mean, their right. restaurants even teach that to yeah. their new service. Uh, you you kind of prioritize the ones you know you're going to get tips on. Right. right. And then you've got the whole concept. And it makes People who go to restaurants, like, say, you or I or EK or any one of our 12, if there's even that many listeners, think about it. You're sitting there, and you're starting to get a little irritated. The service is not quite what I'm wanting. I'm going to reduce my tip. because Therefore, you're basically saying, I'm going to reduce the amount of money that you have this month in order to feed yourself or your family. Right. That's a little fucking sadistic, man. Yeah, it's a little cruel. And if the food is screwed up. You know, you're not going to tip the server. Right. And just it's the flip of the, the chef. You know, if mm-hmm. he does a really good meal, but if he screws it up, you're, the server is like, I, I didn't screw up the food. Right. You know, why, do, why didn't yeah. I get a tip? The service is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it creates a convoluted mess. It's, a, it's flawed from beginning to end, like most structures in the United States. Oh, yeah, everything is imperfect. Welcome to the world. Perfectly imperfect. <laughs> Welcome to the world. Wow. So what should we... I think you're right because they were like... uh, They took InfoWars. They said, don't listen to InfoWars. And what happened? You know, they jumped up. Yeah, skyrocket and subscribers. What was it? Like 5 million or something in one day or two days? And uh, so, I mean, if Donald Trump or whoever, the government comes out and says, all right, we're getting rid of tipping... I wonder if like everyone's gonna, just going to start tipping more all of a sudden. We're gonna, we we're Americans. We tip if we want to. God damn it! Right. 
<laughs> you we don't tell to, us what to do. It never happened, but we need to get Donald Trump on our side and say, hey, tell everyone to start tipping more. Well, Trump wants it, down with tipping. No more tipping. Well, no, it's like whatever he says, that's what people do the opposite. Right, that's what I'm saying. If we want him, to, uh, if we want to end the tipping practice in the United States, have him say, we need to tip more. Fuck that, tipping goes... Three days we, later, tipping is abolished in the United States. All restaurants <laughs> stop, ban the practice of tipping. That's a good idea. It's <laughs> a good idea. <laughs> I mean, I'm someone who, you know, makes money off of tips. Mm-hmm. And so it's, I would rather get paid more per hour, like minimum wage per hour. Right. Than, than the little bit plus tips. Right. Because depending on what's going on, you know, let's say traffic is bad one night when you're delivering and you just get everywhere late. You, your tips are going to suffer because people don't want their pizza cold. Yeah, It's not your fault. You can't control the traffic. No. But it affects the amount of money you have to provide yourself with food and beer. See, I, in, in my experience when it comes to delivering pizzas, it seems like people – um, rarely tip based upon the expediency. Um, people who are going to tip well generally tip well no matter how long it takes. Um, people who aren't going to tip generally aren't going to tip well no matter how fast it gets there. So um, um, what you will see, though, is somebody who places an order and places a tip ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Trying to is like, hey, prioritize my order. You know, and so, and I do. Is it just, is it really prioritizing or like myself, I usually don't carry cash. So therefore I just now make my place, my order on my card. So therefore I must put the tip on the card. So I just go ahead and do it right there. That way I don't have to deal with it. It's all said and done. I feel like the, when it comes to pizza delivery drivers, I think people are trying to go cashless. And so they just give like cash to pizza delivery drivers because I deal with a lot of cash. Mm-hmm. And so they're just like trying to get rid of it. It's like, give them, if we have some cash laying around, <laughs> See if you can find. Some, you have some of that money stuff. Let's, I can you give this a good home? Yes, well, I can. Well, I just and I love how people will apologize about putting the tip on the credit card because they say, "I know you got to declare this," you know. And I think that even customers understand how tipping is so somewhat unfair. And even you know mm-hmm. they they may tip well because they know it's unfair and they know that you're trying to make a living. So you're right there. Yeah. Hand cramp up. Yeah. Oh, okay. That happened. Working hard all day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Slinging mud. Yeah. Ugh. Not fun. So is that hit it, it for Hill Hippies Garden? Yeah, I think we've you nailed on it. it. Nailed it. The way we wanted it. Go until November. So, also, think about it. Tipping started in racism. Do you yeah. really want to continue a practice that was born in racism, y'all? No. I feel horrible. Is that the white guilt? <laughs> <laughs> I ain't touching help, that with a 10-foot pole. Help me put a label on this. <laughs> Gone till it's called November. having a conscience. Yeah, I guess. Well, I can't wait till November. What happens in November? The Bohemian Rhapsody movie comes out. Have you seen like the, the trailers for it yet? No, I haven't. Uh, I mean, I just think it's cast perfectly. I mean, they look like the band. Right on. And if they... Depends on what they do with the music. I really, ooh, that's what like I really want to know. It's like, how are you going to use the music? I want to know. I <laughs> uh, can't wait. It's November is like, you know, a quarter of a year away. <laughs> Pissed off. I mean, it's not like I don't want to enjoy the rest of the summer, but I mean, I'll do love fall. But yeah, I want to see this movie so bad because uh, they're my favorite band for a long, you know, I don't know, since 90, 89, 90. Nice. And it's unfortunate because, I mean, back then, you couldn't just get on the computer and go to Napster and get every single Queen track that ever existed. Right. You had to go to the record store or the CD store. And find them. And find them. And if you go to the record CD store, um, tapes or something like that in the big white plastic thing, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh, you're looking for these albums, and some of them you don't find. And if you go and looking for a Queen album... Uh, you'll find like Queen's Greatest Hits, Queen's Greatest Hits 2, <laughs> and the big ones like Sheer Heart Attack, right. uh, Night at the Opera. Maybe you'll find one of the late 80s ones. Mm-hmm. Maybe. 
in like hot space because that didn't sell very well. <laughs> so you'd see hot space. And uh, and it took a while to get this collection together. I had to go to friends and say, I am looking for these albums. If you know anybody who has them, oh, tell yeah. them I'm willing to buy them. And that's how I gained my collection of CDs. And back then you couldn't just go like checkbox, 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 every Queen album, download. Right. No, you had to go search them. You had to ask your friends, I'm looking, I'm looking for Queen's game, the game album, 1980. Oh, dude, I remember, this is how sad I was. I had a friend going to Italy on a trip. Like, oh, nice. what type of uh, souvenir do you want? I said, dude, just look for rare Dream Theater albums. That's right. all I want you to do. Just find me some rare Dream Theater albums. Yeah. And sure enough, they came back with two of them. One was like a bootleg from over there. And one was this one that was released that was just the the entire uh, recording of this, them doing these cover songs at Ronnie <laughs> nice. Scott's Club in the UK. Oh, nice. And this is like, I'd heard like two of the tracks on this that were the medleys that they released on one of their EPs. But the rest of the show was on there and it's fucking phenomenal. And yeah. it was nowhere available in the United States exactly. at that point in time. It was unique <laughs> back then. Back then it was unique. Now yeah. it's worldwide. You yeah. Know? Everyone can get, can get it. And uh, I think, I can't wait for this movie because the, the story of Queen's a very interesting story. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had this biography that, I mean, of course it talks a lot about Freddie Mercury, but it also talks a lot about the band. Uh, like, Brian Brian May, the guitar player. I mean, he's he's an excellent musician. He's also a doctorate of astrophysics. Nice, by the way. Um, and uh, that's what he was doing. That's what he was studying. He wanted to be an astrophysicist <laughs> before he got caught up in this Queen nonsense. <laughs> but uh, I guess I'll go be a rock star. But it's not like um, uh, his parents were. Telling him, no, that's a bad idea or anything like that because his dad helped him build his signature guitar. You know, it's a very unique guitar. It was like made from a fireplace and stuff like that. People have been trying to replicate it, replicate its sound. I mean, it's one of a kind. Nice. You know, it's a one of a kind guitar Brian May has. And I'm sure it's very personal to him because he and his father built it together. Right. And I think that that's such a cool story about that that guitar. And then you got a... Uh, <laughs> The, the early days of Queen are hilarious when they're smile and shit like that. And, <laughs> and they're just, they're doing what everyone else was doing at first. And mm-hmm. I mean, even they, te- they even tease it in the movies. It's like, people aren't buying our records. And it's like, we need to get experimental. And that's what they did. And that's, it was like a Queen, Queen one was pretty good. But I mean, it was what was going on at the time. It was right. like where the, where the puck was, not where the puck was going, as I say in hockey. Right. And so um, then they started, they released the Sheer Heart Attack album which had Killer Queen on it. And it was such a unique song. I mean, it started people like here in the U.S. is like, I've never heard anything like this. It's like buying, buying Queen albums. Mm-hmm. And that album in particular is very interesting because they covered so many different genres. Uh, there's one unique one on there called Bring Back That Leroy Brown, which is a ragtime song. Oh, nice. And every single genre that Queen tries to do, they do it well because they're such talented musicians. And that's why I've loved them over the years. And when I started getting into them was when the Innuendo album came out. Mm-hmm. I'm skip I'm gonna skip around through the years, okay. All right. In Time travel. Of, in, terms of, in terms of Queen albums. It uh it was the Innuendo album was excellent and it was um the last album that was released while Freddie was alive. because uh, he died uh November twenty third, I think, nineteen ninety one. rip rest in peace, Ref Freddie. And uh, but I was like, ah, oh, no more Queen albums. I felt real bad, so I was just I was just trying to fill out my collection, get the rest of them. I want the only one I didn't get was the the uh, Flash Gordon soundtrack for obvious reasons. <laughs> um, I mean, don't get me wrong, you're not a true collector, man. <laughs> but I mean, it's a lot of it is just instrumental stuff. It's not, it's not really band stuff. It's just Brian making awesome sounds with his guitar support. Mm-hmm. You know, for a shitty movie that's actually pretty good if you enjoy it's shitty a, movies. It, it goes. It takes the full uh, three sixty from being shitty back to all right. This is this okay. Is cool. it's, a good band. it's a guilty pleasure yeah. movie. And there's so many scenes in there where Brian May is just sitting there watching the scene. He's like, "This movie needs to start rock, rocking right fucking now." And it's just a heavy guitar song. Just like, I love you, Brian May. You're awesome. And so, you made this movie bearable. <laughs> 
it made it better. Just like Highlander with the Queen songs made Highlander better. I mean, stick any other band that was around at the time, you know, 85, 86, when this movie was being made. It would have been horrible. Like, the Thompson Twins are, are doing this. The <laughs> uh, Thompson Twins? <laughs> Dude, the soundtrack to Highlander. Oh, it would be a completely different movie, wouldn't it? <laughs> you know, if they'd have done, uh, if it had been Cole and the Gang, it would have been a completely different yeah, movie. But it might have been awesome. It might have been, been awesome, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it would have been awesome, man. <laughs> I'm not saying it would have been better than Queen doing the soundtrack to Highlander, but yeah. I, I don't know. I've never had the pleasure of seeing uh, Queen, and I never will get to see the original Queen play, of course. But I have seen Cool and the Gang play, and they are a fucking amazing time. I mean, uh, I mentioned the Hot Space, the album Hot Space. It didn't mm-hmm. sell very well in America, and that was because uh, back then, that's when uh, like it was a lot of like Freddie's personal life was coming out. Oh yeah, and um, and I don't care about that. You know, um, my dad always told me you got to separate the art from the artist, and I. And there's a little teaser in the trailer that says, "Is like I make music. What else do you not?" This is a quote from Freddie: "I make music. What else do you need to know?" And uh, and I think that's very true. It's like it's none of your business what he's right. doing when he's not making music. As long as he's making hits, let him fuck whoever he wants. I don't care. Right. And I mean, in the, uh, trying to understand Freddie Mercury was like tried to like kind of enlighten me to understanding people of alternate sexualities is like and and to appreciate them it's like you're still a fucking artist you know mm-hmm. i don't care who you want to bang if as long as you keep making kick-ass songs freddie mercury blow anyone you want i don't care right you know because it has one that has nothing to do with the other nothing you know but back then it was in in the u.s uh it was he- he- dominated by heavy metal music and the very heterosexual machismo and that's mm-hmm. why Queen Adams weren't selling very well but then Highlander came out then of course you've got the <laughs> the bible influences I don't want my kid listening to something that that insert uh, derogatory yeah. expletive here for, for homosexuals mm-hmm. and it was funny because like the whole the whole band got labeled as gay right when Freddie was just bisexual and he was the only one that was as far as my understanding I don't know mm-hmm. but now, you know Brian never calls anymore. I tried to fuck him, but <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> just, I just want to bang a doctor, you know. <laughs> Astrophysics counts. <laughs> but I mean, because it's, it's really none of your business. No, you it's know. Not. And I thought that that the story of Queen is is being done now because that aspect of Freddie Mercury's life can be more. Oh, widely understood right. now mm-hmm. than a movie done that was that was done in the eighties or nineties. You know, right? After, and it would uh, you know, the, unfortunately, at that point in time, the message just wasn't received. It would would not have been received the same way it would be today. Right. Absolutely. And I mean, of course, they're going to talk about his demise and um, the nature of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that that's good too, so people you know understand about safe sex and so forth. And because I mean. Uh, you know, losing Freddie, losing people like Freddie, losing people like uh, David Bowie, Robin Williams, all these artists and stuff like that. And it's like, it, it can be avoided sometimes, you know? And I mean, Freddie Mercury even did a song, Too Much Love Can Kill You. It's just as sure as none at all. Yep. You know? And I really do like that ni- uh, 1991 Innuendo album. That's an excellent album. And this, the song is Show Must Go On. Oh, the haunting vocals by Freddie. Mm-hmm. And he was so sick when he did that. So sick. And uh, But afterwards, in 95, late 95, I think, they released Made in Heaven, which is where they had studio tapes of Freddie, and the band filled in the rest of the songs and released another album. And that's pretty damn good, too. You know? And, nice. And you just think it was, like, it, was like once, it was like once a year for a while, and then once every two years they were putting out an album. In the 70s and 80s. I mean, that was fast, Mm -hmm. fast work. And the quality of it was amazing. And that's why, you know, everyone's throwing money. Let's back these queen motherfuckers. They're going to make us some money, you know, getting people. I mean, the idea, like creating We Will Rock You, We We Are the Champions, you know, if those songs were never created, what the fuck would we be singing (laughs) at sporting events? Right. Try to think of one other song that could apply to that has the same level of importance at a sporting event than you know We Will Rock You or We Are the Champions. 
You know, you win the Stanley Cup, you skate around the ice with the Stanley Cup. You, the only thing you can't play is Queens, we are the champions. What are you playing? We built this city. <laughs> <laughs> we built this city on rock and roll. It doesn't work, does it? No. Name one other band that could have put a song in there. That good. That kind of genre. Well, it, how out of the box that is. ACDC's Thunderstruck is a one That's that could, true. Could, could come in there to play. That could. That could. But I mean, what would we do? What would we do? It's a world I don't want to live in. I what, don't even want to think about it. What bothers me is that you can't ever not hear those songs together. Right. You hear it on the radio. You hear We Will Rock You come on the radio. I'm sitting there thinking, it's like, please don't play. We are the champions right after. But like a second, of course they play it. Of course. And I'm just like, well, I guess I'm glad they played it because this is a good song. <laughs> you would feel the absence of it if they didn't. And it would bother I don't, I don't you. Know. And you would have to go out and listen to it immediately because it'd be one of those things just stuck in your brain. I need to hear it now. Well, I just, I think they're both excellent standalone songs. and But they're always played together. Right. Yeah, and Bohemian Rhapsody. I mean, that, I think it was Wayne's World. Yeah, yes. that's like one, I was like, oh, Queen. I think that's when I first, like kind of first I'd heard heard of them before, but but it was like that whole scene with them headbanging to Bohemian Rhapsody. I mean, just boy, it revitalized people's interest in Queen. Mm-hmm. Also, Vanilla Ice stealing the from Under Pressure. Yep, you know it was different. It was a little different. I did hear mixes. I did hear mixes with Under Pressure in the background. And so, and like, he got sued all to hell. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, before I actually learned the difference between the two and how much they had played off of it, when I was younger, it was like, God damn it, Vanilla Ice. Where's the. Damn it, let me Vanilla get up Ice. And get over there and change that. Oh, this isn't Vanilla Ice. What? This is, damn you, John Deacon. <laughs> and then it would come on later as, like, okay, it's just like Queen song. And is fuck Vanilla Ice, get up and run over to the stereo. Well, the two most recognizable uh, bass riffs in Queen songs were both written by John Deacon. That's another one bites the dust. Mm-hmm. And uh, Under Pressure. And Under Pressure is interesting because David Bowie just came into the studio one day when they were recording an album. He was like, hey, man, let's, let's do a song together. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, lovely, darling. We can totally do that. <laughs> All right. I'll just go. I'll just go. I do what I do. <laughs> oh, you know, you go, you do de do. <laughs> I go people on the streets, <laughs> and you go I do do de, and that's how it happened. <laughs> and it's a hit song. It just somebody, some producer sitting there is like, "Hey, David, could you go in there and just hang out with Queen for ten minutes?" <laughs> Boom, hit song. <laughs> looks over at his buddy's like, "I'm gonna make millions off this." <laughs> Anyway, I'm stoked for the new Queen movie coming out, Bohemian Rhapsody. It's supposed it is, to be coming out on November 2nd. It's definitely going to be worth a view. Yeah. Especially no. with me, because I'm such a nerdy Queen fan. No, I'm not even a nerdy Queen fan. I'm just a fan of music. And yeah. That's like yeah. something definitely worth seeing. Well, I mean, of course I'm going to watch... The, when the Doors documentary came out, I was like, of course I'm going to fucking watch that. Uh, of course. Know? Well, that's so. just because of what in the fuck was going on with that cat. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck does Mojo Rising mean? <laughs> what is a lizard king? Right. Remember that stuff? There was such a mystery. It's like people talk about what the fuck is Mojo Rising? And nowadays you just look at what is Mojo Rising? It's an anagram for Jim Morrison's name. Mm-hmm. You know, like back then you had no idea. Mr. Mojo Rise. What the fuck does that mean, Jim? Right. Anyway. Is he talking about his penis? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> he just told somebody one day, it's it's an anagram for my name, man. <laughs> They don't know I'm talking about my penis. <laughs> All right. You want to get into the newsworth, though? we got about 15 minutes left. I'm going to have to cruise these. Let's do it. All right. Stop me if you've heard this one before. Florida restaurant patron arrested for erotically dancing, stripping for fellow diners. The Kobe Japanese Steakhouse in Clearwater, Florida, offers a variety of oh, choice meats, oh, God. sushi specialties. I got friends in Clearwater. At <laughs> a pretty generous happy hour deal. One thing they don't offer is live nude shows. Not always. Not always. Uh, James Dillon Jordan, a 24-year-old restaurant patron from nearby uh, Dunedin, excuse me, was arrested and charged with disorderly conduct after he drunkenly, you didn't really, I mean, that was obvious, right? Obvious. Okay. He approached a couple at Kobe Diners last Sunday night and offered them a prompt to switch striptease. 
This is from the Tampa Bay Times. Oh, God. While, into- this is a quote. While intoxicated inside the steakhouse, James Jordan approached a female diner and her husband, and began to he began to undress and erotically dance in front of her. <laughs> Please stop. <laughs> Just, what, me dancing? Yes. We should get a, get that camera in <laughs> No, we shouldn't. I feel we'll like Danny alienate, DeVito dancing. And- we'll alienate these, those 12 <laughs> listeners we do have. <laughs> Uh, when the woman asked him to stop, and he became belligerent, and she, uh, and the, and called the woman fat, and then threatened to fight her husband. <laughs> Police said that James Wood was not cooperative. And James was, Wood. James was not oh, okay. cooperative, and he was taken to Pinellas County Jail, and released last Monday on a hundred fifty dollar bond. So I guess you don't get in too much trouble for just doing an impromptu strip tease. And I guess not. Maybe he only made it down to his boxers. I got a feeling if it was actual dong flapping in the face, it might be a whole different yeah, story. It might have just been the boxers. You're right. It might have been a different 150. That sounds good. If you if you show your noodle, man, you get you have to pay more than 150. I do believe so. Okay. Especially in a place like Florida, where there's the high number of the elderly with the older fashioned views that the governments yeah. tend to protect their sensibilities. <laughs> Okay, um, we skipped the story last week because uh, after time constraints. Because we talked too much. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yellow, Yellowstone visitor that taunted bison arrested. I don't know if you caught this article last week, but uh, an Oregon man, he was arrested Thursday night after getting caught on video earlier this week harassing a bison. Go look for this video. This dude's an idiot. Uh, Raymond Renke, 55, who was journeying across multiple U.S. parks throughout the week, was taken into custody by Glacier National Park officials. Um, this is a news release from the Yellowstone. Uh, quote, we appreciate the collaboration of our fellow rangers in Glacier and Grand Teton National Parks on this arrest. Harassing wildlife is illegal in any national park. Really? It's a no-brainer. I would think. I, I'm saying this guy is stupid, not because it's illegal. It's because you don't go up to a bison and shout at him and like threaten, threaten, threateningly gesture at him. No, because that, you that know, thing outweighs you. A bison fart <laughs> could knock you on your ass. Exactly. And there's a bunch of cars around too in this video, and you can see it was like it could have gone way worse. Now here's the thing, and of course, being being me, I'm going to take it down this road because why the fuck not? Was it did it state whether it was a female bison or not? Maybe he was trying to initiate a mating ritual. Sick fuck. If it was, I mean, he must be also an exhibitionist because there's a lot of cars around and people taking video of him. You always see me fuck this bison. If you're crazy and you want to fuck a bison, I don't think you care who's around. I gotta get my jollies on because this this one's in heat and I gotta I, just, I gotta initiate the mating ritual. And who knows? Yeah, who knows when I'm gonna run across a bison again? Right, especially one that's ready. <laughs> the time's right. I just uh, why why would you? Taunt a bison. It says here that he, the, uh, on July 31st, uh, rangers pulled him over and found that he appeared to be intoxicated and was argumentative. <laughs> that explains why you threatened a bison. Yeah. <laughs> Don't talk shit to me, bison. <laughs> you heard him, right? What'd you say about my mama? What'd, what'd you say about <laughs> my mama? <laughs> it said moo. <laughs> Cows and those and bisons, they don't they do make these weird gut sounds. Horrible. Horrible? It's disgusting. It's ugh, horrible sound. In bison speak, that might have been a compliment. Might have said, Hey dude, nice ass. Or I like your loafers. Are those made from my cousin? If bison have a word for a sound for loafers, I'd be surprised. All right, let's go to the next story. Jim hopes it's Fortnite-inspired fitness classes will get young gamers off the couch. What? Yeah, you ready for this? A chain of gyms in Europe is hoping kid uh, is hoping the to, uh, is hoping to help kids fight the flab with Fortnite-inspired classes. Daniel Lloyd Gyms is the latest to jump on the Fortnite bandwagon with its Emote Royale classes in a bid to get kids to swap controllers for choreography. The classes were designed uh, with the help of a number twelve-year-old quote, consultants who ensured the accuracy of the dance moves being taught. You know what they're talking about, right? The emote dances? Mm-hmm. 
That's what they're going to be teaching them with a Fortnite oh, theme. Oh God! Yeah, with a Fortnite theme soundtrack blast blasting, classgoers will tackle twelve dances inspired by the popular game, working up their way to wiggle and f- wiggle to the floss of the robot via Orange Justice. <laughs> Take the L, best mate. You know all these emotes, right? Yeah. <laughs> best mates, jubilation, hype, flapper, fresh, boneless, and the worm. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> See, I was thinking a whole different route, man. I was thinking somebody d- taking some laser tag, put up some like Nerf like structures that people could run around, and they could actually get the Fortnite experience and you know get some cardio and shit. In. No, they're teaching these kids to act out these stupid jackass emotes so that way they can be bigger douches in the planet. Good uh, job, fuckers. That's that's the point. I mean, I've already <laughs> seen kids doing the dances from Fortnite, and now we're gonna teach them these. Great idea. I guess it's good that they're doing something. Besides pressing buttons yeah. and eating Doritos. Yeah, getting some exercise. But, I mean, I guess that's good. You know. These in-game it, dances. It, it's shit like this that makes me fear for the future. And if for some <laughs> reason a truck were just to run right through this building and kill me, I've already uh, done my job as a human being and produced another one. So my line lives on. Yeah, I'm good. Go ahead and just take me out now. Don't. No, don't tempt fate, man. Anyway, kids, there's other ways to get exercise. You know all that sprinting you do in Fortnite? Try that. Yeah. Or go out and play laser tag. Laser tag is fun. Laser tag, you run around. But you don't get to build anything. But you get to shoot shit. Yeah, that's true. And instead of like normal laser tag where you build uh, points, make it a battle royale where you've got a like a... Oh, oh wait, wait, it's called paintball in a <laughs> field where you get shot and you're out. Do a battle royale in a paintball field. You know, like, there you go. Or you Fortnite can, in real life without or, or the consequences. Go, or you can go watch like tons of YouTube videos of people doing that. Anyway, that's against the point of getting people off their asses. Go ahead and do your Fortnite dances. You exercise your way. I'll exercise my way. All right, kids. Your exercise is a twelve ounce curl. No, I do. I have twenty pound weights. I work out. With. Uh, Texas woman arrested for marijuana. She takes a mug shot. Mug, mug shot and requests. For makeup tips. A Texas woman was arrested earlier this year, and her glamorous mugshot has sparked requests for a makeup tutorial. Marshala Perkins, 19, of Dallas, was arrested for marijuana possession on February 6th, the Star-Telegram reported. Wednesday, her mugshot was posted to the Mugshot Bay's Twitter account. There's such a thing. All right. In which photos of attractive and uh, and arrested women are featured. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. In her mugshot, Perkins has appears to have her facial makeup contoured with bright pink eyeshadow with a hint of sparkles and false eyelashes. She looks good. She's a good-looking woman. Uh, Perkins told the newspaper that the night she was booked, she was just bored, adding, I was going out with my friends looking the way I was looking. Oh, I just put this on. It's no big deal. <laughs> One Twitter... Hashtag no filter. Yeah. <laughs> One Twitter user... Quote tweeted the photo and said, we need a tutorial, free her, which received 280,000 likes as of Thursday. The aspiring makeup artist said she had performed a tutorial on Facebook Live before she'd gone out with her friends the night she was arrested. (laughs) So it exists. So you don't even have to pay your bail, y'all. It it just go on Facebook. Sat in my car for like two minutes waiting on my friends, waiting for and a police car pulled up right behind me. The officer ran her license and registration and reportedly smelled marijuana and asked her to get out of the car. Uh, the cop found two grams of marijuana in the vehicle. Initially embarrassed that her mugshot was posted by police online, the former Texas A&M University of Commerce uh, student has since come to appreciate a newfound appreciation for her makeup skills. Quote, someone has reached out to me about starting my own makeup line. It's crazy. My mind is blown, Perkins told the Telegram. Now it's turned into something so positive, I'm just going to embrace it and see where it takes me. I guess that's good. <laughs> I'm reminded of that uh, that one guy that had his mug shot, and he was like this good-looking dude, and everyone was like, damn, he's hot. What? Why are you staring at me like that? I, I just can't. I, I, nothing. Okay. Nothing. Or that one story about the guy who catches sharks. Yeah. And all the people and notice where his abs. Yeah. We're a shallow culture, huh? Very. All right, well, here's something a little fun. We've got about five minutes left. So, a uh, boy's squeaky cough caused by a whistle stuck in his throat. <coughs> One four-year-old boy in India is, no- is coughing normally again after doc- doctors revealed that a toy whistle had become lodged in his throat and has since been removed. 
On August 8th, the New England Journal of Medicine uh, reported that an unnamed youngster and his family arrived at the outpatient clinic last year seeking answers for his persistent two-day cough, which had an intermittent whistling character. There's video of it. It's weird. An eight-second clip of the voice whistling cough has been viewed 65,000 times on Facebook. An x-ray, yeah. I feel like it should be higher. (laughs) An x-ray of the four-year-old's chest revealed that the left lung hyperinflated, which, oh my God, can be caused by blockage in the air passage or asthma and cystic fibrosis. They proceeded to perform a bronchoscopy, uh, inserting a tube down his throat into the left lung, where they unearthed and removed a mysterious object, a toy whistle. He had, it be, he had been playing with a whistle before his coughing began. <laughs> you don't remember happy, what happened, kid? You don't remember swallowing that thing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> now I remember. That's probably how it goes, too. Uh, mem- Except uh, in uh, Hindi. The remember uh, berries. Remember whistle? <laughs> That's where that went. <laughs> uh, Don't do that again, son. Okay, next time I'll put it in my nose. Uh, well, you know, I, no, I'm just going to shut up. Okay. I'm going to sound racist. I'm going to say fuck football because uh, Washington Redskins and New York Jets. This is, I just want to touch briefly on this subject because I don't like football. And uh, there are a uh, few players, would, they would get into fights yeah. during, during this joint practice. And I'm just like, and people are talking about it on, on the news. And I'm just like, are you surprised that people who are trained to violently hit each other start violently hitting each other? Yeah. But they're not doing it the right way. Violence begets violence. That's why I don't like football. And that's all I really have to say about that. Okay, Jenny. I think I ruined your roommate's bathrobe. <laughs> That's a semen joke. Yes, it in is. In Forrest Gump. Yes. I love it. All right, let's go on this last story. we got about three minutes left. Uh, groom rescues struggling swimmer moments after beach wedding. Guess what he does? Just bear that in mind while I read this. Moments after the couple got mar- married in Alabama, husband Zach Edwards is credited with saving a drowning woman, drowning man's life. Edwards and his wife, Cindy, had just gotten married at Orange Beach on August 2nd. Uh, The two were posing for photographs on the beach when a woman told them someone was struggling in the water, Fox 10 reported. Uh, There were reportedly red flags along the beach and lifeguards on duty were busy saving someone else. Bad day. Hmm. Uh, So Edwards jumped into action. He stripped off his shirt and ran for the water. I wasn't going to let him drown, (laughs) he told the Pensacola News Journal. Um... And he approached a man with a flotation device. He kept saying, uh, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, he recalled. Uh, my goal is to keep his head out of the water. First responders soon arrived on the scene. They helped Edwards and the man, a Mississippi high school student, get to shore. I didn't think that the day, I didn't think that the day that changed my family's life for the better would change another family's life for the better, too, the groom recalled. He said that while he was in the water, all he could think about was Cindy. Oh. <laughs> Quote, it beats us up pretty hard. That's the word, you know, that's a sweet sentiment. But, you know, saving the man's life and your own, apparently, that should be the top of your... Own it. Yeah, Yeah. just go ahead and say it, man. Nobody's going to fault you for it. (laughs) Cindy Edwards said she got the package deal, telling Fox 10 she got a hero and a hubby in the same day. That's great. So, what do you think he does for a living? Uh, Inside trader. (laughs) Cocaine runner. Uh, no, he's a Coast Guard petty officer, second class, and a former lifeguard. Both of those were too easy. Yeah, I know. It was so obvious. It was yeah. like, why is he in Alabama, near the near the ocean, on a uh, bad ocean day, red flag day? Right. Former lifeguard, Coast Guard. Hmm. Wonder if he planned it. <laughs> I'm gonna make her. I'm really gonna impress the bride's family today, y'all. <laughs> the guy, the guy you saved is his nephew. You know, it's like I want to prove to her I'm the man. I'm a I'm a real winner. <laughs> I'm gonna get butt stuff tonight. <laughs> <laughs> all doors unlocked, baby. <laughs> all the doors unlocked. Okay, well let's release end right all there. hatches. Let's go to end right there. Uh, enjoy your wedding, dude. I'm the madman. I love you. Look for us on uh, Facebook, Shock Monkey Radio. 
uh, Redux. Also look for us on YouTube. Search for FXBG Public Radio or The Madman Lowercase. I love you. I'm the Madman. Who are you? I'm the Hill Hippie. Wishing you all peace and love. Bye-bye. Let's go!